On today's episode, we have Ricky Nixon, a well-known figure in the Australian sports industry with a career spanning over three decades. He has been a player agent, a sporting marketing guru, and a media commentator. Nixon is also best known for his work as a player agent, having represented some of the biggest names in the AFL, including Ben Cousins and Brendan Favolva. In recent years, he has also become a vocal advocate for mental health awareness and has also spoken publicly about his own struggle with addiction and depression. In this episode, we delve deeper into Nixon's fascinating career, his views on the sports industry, and his personal journey towards mental wellness. Welcome, Ricky. Thanks, girls, and well done on what you've been doing. I'm hearing great things about the show. Thank yeah, you. thank you, Ricky. It's so nice to have you here. Now, I'm just a bit worried that you're yeah. calling me Ricky because no one calls no, me Ricky. Call Everyone Nixon. calls me chicken. Chicken, chicken. okay. Yeah, yeah. Now we'll call you chicken. My chicken. kid sent okay, me a text so at Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas, chicken. I said, it's dad, all right? Stop calling oh, even me your kids Ricky. do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now chicken. we're forming more of a connection now, <laughs> yeah, chicken. Yeah. I believe I, there is a connection already, though. Yeah, so I hear that you have had a bit to do with Shepparton. Can you elaborate more on that? Yeah, look, in the last few years, I've had a lot to do with it. Kim O'Keefe, for mayor, for mayor up there for a long time, a very popular lady up there. She's yeah. a good friend of mine. and. We ran a, a charity football game up there, I think it was three years ago now, and yeah. uh, that's to raise money to help kids with cancer. And it, it's not about sort of the money that, you know, the Royal Children's Hospital raised millions and millions of dollars. It was about granting them wishes, like taking them yeah. to the football, yeah. in, uh, meeting their heroes, things like that. Unfortunately, the day before the game, the Prime Minister announced COVID lockdown, which created a lot of stress <laughs> on, you know, the people that had volunteered their yeah. time and yeah. stuff. Um, and so, unfortunately, we're not now playing the game. What we're doing is just helping kids with wishes that, or people yeah. contact me, you know, if, it, you know, it could just simply be that, uh, that we send a sign footy to them or, you know, something like that. So, yeah. Oh, that's so nice. And you obviously do that all around rural yeah. other places as well. Oh yeah. Look, it's all over Australia. It doesn't matter yeah. where someone is. They could be in New Zealand, you know? Yeah. So if it's, it's more about granting a wish, I suppose, to help a kid. And we find too, that kids with cancer, if they're positive, it's amazing. Like this little girl, it's a great story. She, I was at a pub, you know, six years ago, and my mate said, there's a little girl who wants to meet you. She's only eight years old. She barracks for the Western Bulldogs. I said, no worries, I'll go downstairs. This is what yeah. I did. Someone grabbed the back of my leg. I turned around, and this little girl standing there, Gay, hey, Ricky, my name's Charlotte. I barrack for the Western Bulldogs. Oh, I said, oh, good on you. That's great. She goes, yeah, yeah, I've got cancer, brain cancer, and I think I'm going to be dead in three months. Oh, my god! I know, and I just looked around and went, oh, you know, and then – so long story short, she's now 13 years old because oh, she was wow. she was basically so positive, this girl, and she's an inspiration to me and, um, you know, every other kid around her. And, you know, that's what I try and work on with kids who are suffering from life-threatening illnesses. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was over in Adelaide with Tony Modra, former superstar over yeah. there. I had a charity golf day for Little Heroes, and Little Heroes is kids with life-threatening diseases yeah. as well. So it's great that ex-players like Tony Modra are putting time back yeah, into definitely. helping the kids. Yeah. Using your status in society for the greater good and to help people and make yeah. people happy, especially when they're terminally ill or really sick. It's so important yeah. for them to keep positive and... Well, I think too that we all, all of us do, we're all guilty of ourselves, you know, worried about mm. ourselves, how we look or how we, what people mm. think of us and everything else. But I just find when I help someone, it's amazing how it comes back and helps you in a few weeks' time or down the track yeah. or whatever else. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes we get a bit caught up in our own, our own life too much, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with yeah. that. Yeah. 
Can you tell us more about the early years and how you got interested in sports management? Yeah, look, I grew up in Bendigo in the middle of Victoria um, with a little kid called Greg Williams. He went on to win a couple of Brownlow mm. medals. And uh, <laughs> him and I spent our whole life from, you know, primary school to secondary school competing against each other every night. And probably, in all honesty, it set me up in life yeah. and probably set him up as well. That You know, we, we just wanted to beat each other all the time and that included beating each other up. And um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, back in those days, there was no draft. Uh, if you wanted to play football, it was zoning. So yep. Bendio was um, Carlton's zone. Yep. So I played with Carlton and um, originally then uh, I grew up barracking for St Kilda, ended up luckily enough going to St Kilda, playing most of my career there and finishing off at Hawthorne, which yep. then set me up in player management because it wasn't a great idea of mine, but I didn't realise <laughs> at the time that because I played at three clubs, I had access to three lots of players. Ah. Whereas if I'd only played at one club, I would have only had access yeah. to one lot of players. Well, it was yeah. smart. Then, yeah, I guess. Oh, very smart. Yeah, <laughs> we'll accidentally. that was on purpose. Yeah, <laughs> so my, my uh, I actually, at one stage, I'm now fourth ranked, but I had the longest career for the least amount of games. So I'm not sure whether that's good or not. <laughs> But it's I just say I just say it was deliberate. Yeah, you know, it was all to set up my player management. <laughs> I was really exciting times back in the nineties, probably before you girls were born. But um, things like Foxtel had just started, and yep. you know, yeah. um, Bunnings and Minor Ten were competing against each other, and so you know, to get endorsement deals for yeah. players was a bit easier than it is these days. Nike had just become huge because of Michael Jordan in the yeah. US, so Wayne yep. Carey got a huge Nike contract, yep. and that worked for Nike and for Wayne as well. Yeah, I um, mean, you've spoken about the fact that you were probably one of the most prominent AFL player managers. What were some of the biggest challenges that you faced in that role? Oh, I think one of the biggest challenges always is and still is to this day dealing with the off-field dramas. You know, the and, and, and one of the off-field dramas these days, not back when I started, is the internet and social oh. media. And people don't understand, or I shouldn't say it that way, but people listening to this is that let's just say Patrick Cripps at Carlton if people are criticising him, his mum sees it, his dad sees it, his girlfriend or wife sees it, his mm-hmm. kids see it, and they're dealing with it as well, the hate these yeah. days, you know, and it's just ridiculous. And, um, you know, it worries me sometimes that the government doesn't get off its backside and, yep. with social media and make sure that every account has got identification with it. Uh, and if you hate on another kid yep. or you cowardly bully someone, you get suspended for a month or three months, and if you do it, you get suspended for five years or something like that. And, you know, yeah. we've got to get accountability to social media. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And we've even had it ourselves with the podcast and everything and even personally. Mm. So yeah. we know bullying on social media can be toxic, especially for the younger generation having to put up with not only at school or anything like that, but actually coming home to it as well and yeah. being bullied. Yeah, 100%. Look, um, I had a friend whose daughter, this was many years, well, say seven or eight years ago, um, you know, was bullied and ended up in hospital for six months, you know, because some other girls called her something starting with S and I won't say what yeah. it is, but, you know, it's yeah. just it's just terrible. And um, look, I guess I've dealt with it, but at the same time now I just ignore it all. I mean, you know, they're just people that don't deserve any recognition. How old are your children? 30 and 26. Yeah. <laughs> it's something that So they're not children anymore. No, but they're I mean, giants. <laughs> I mean I, I'm 31 now and I, I still, you know, have some issues with social media as well it's it's definitely something that is far more like uh, toxic to the to the younger yeah. generation but it is I can't imagine how tricky navigating player management would be oh look my son was 15 when I went through all the dramas I went through 12 years ago now it feels like yesterday that's yeah. 12 years ago and uh, he was 15 at the time and you know he's now 26 yeah. but it, to this day I know he still suffers from you know your dad's this your dad's that yeah. and, and, and you know I can never 
I can only help him with tomorrow. I can't help him yeah. with yesterday. And, you know, well, I'm not walking away from it because it's my fault. He's, uh, I, I will never understand what he went through. You know? You've alluded to it, but there was a scandal, you know, some, you know, a decade ago. Can you tell us what happened during that time? Uh, look, what happened in that time is pretty simple, is that, uh, first of all, I put up my hand and made a big mistake and went to a hotel room when I shouldn't have, but I was set up by the media, a certain yeah. media organisation, mm-hmm. and they're going to be outed this year. Yeah, um, yeah and they're I believe you're be having a, a documentary, is that uh, right? Yeah. Well, yes, it's it's evolving. First it was going to be a, a TV series, now it's a documentary, and et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah. you know, I've waited for this for a long time and patiently sat there, and I'm going to certainly disclose exactly what this certain newspaper yeah. did. Yeah. Well, going on from that, how did you deal with the fallout of the scandal and all the media attention that came with it, and also your family? How did... Oh, look, uh, you know, to think that, first of all, police said to me, you haven't done anything illegal, yeah. um, but, you know, you probably will, you did, you shouldn't have done morally, I suppose, whatever, is to have helicopters over your house, filming your house and your wife leaving the house. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just a joke. And, and as I said, it was all because social media, Instagram had just started back yeah. 12 years ago. Twitter had just started. Yes, Facebook had been around for about 10 years at that stage, but it wasn't what it is today yeah, no. um, where everybody's on their phones. Like I was at a cafe this morning, 21 people in the cafe, 20 of them on their phones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and you were the one that wasn't. Yeah, correct. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think the good thing is, you know, I'd hopefully you two girls would agree, is I get a lot of people, elderly people in the street stop me going, Ricky, you know what? The media that write about you. It's just crap. We're sick of reading it. It's just clickbait. And people now understand right. what clickbait is, Yes. whereas probably three three, four years ago, no one did. Now it's always, you know, Holly, um, community offended because Holly had a blue dress on today, you know, exposing her left shoulder. Mm. It's like, you just go, what? That's not a news story. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like they wrote a half page article on me last week because the a court gave me my car license back. Now, is that news? You know, that Ricky Nixon yeah. got his car license back? I wouldn't have thought so. You've made it, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, a, it's amusing that what people gravitate towards when they hear something that's negative mm. and people want to hear that negative. And yeah. you can use it for good and bad as well or to get that attention yep. if you just use a clickbait plate. I know Tegan and I can do it with our podcast and everything like yeah. that, but it's actually – amazing how many people do it and how people just gravitate towards negativity well it's all about dividing so you know tegan's opinion on me getting my license back might be different to holly getting <laughs> yeah. her license back tegan yeah. might go oh what an idiot you know why would he be speeding at 91 kilometers in a 90 kilometer zone <laughs> and you would say one kilometer what big difference is that going to make so yeah. that's that's all about all having an opinion yeah having yeah. an opinion so obviously you're passionate enough about the industry or the sporting industry or afl in particular to return what what drew you back to the industry? Oh, well, look, I will never go back to player management, ever, mm-hmm. ever. Uh, the way I was treated by the AFL, the AFL Players Association and the football community at the time, mm-hmm. and in fairness, a lot have come and apologised to me and said, look, we probably, and there was a group of women who went to the AFL demanding I be, you know, stood down and everything else. Several of those women have come and met with me and said, we made a mistake, Ricky, we should have, like, at the time. And I said, look, you know what, I now understand why you did. And I totally understand why, you know, it was about protecting females at the time and everything else. Look, I'm the biggest fan of women. Most of the people I've employed are women. So I'm not going to have anything against women at all. So, but back, if you tell me the back clock back 10 years ago, if I had known that those women had gone to the AFL and demanded I'd be stood down, I probably would have got furious, which might have ended up in a tragedy in itself. So, you know, we've got to respect everybody in society, not just women, but men and young kids growing up. And yeah, it's like things like the racial 
slurs at the moment too you know uh, i'm getting a bit fed up with it in respect to we know we know in this room what's racist and what's not yeah, we don't right. need it drummed into us every day yeah but at the same time totally understand that we've got to be teaching young kids it's towing it that means. line between making sure there's an awareness and actually bringing more heat to 100 without yeah. any pun of the heat but it is bringing yeah. more heat to the issue yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. Well, in recent years, you've been involved in mentoring and coaching young athletes. Can you talk us through the approach and what you hope to achieve with these young people? Uh, I sort of probably, I guess my focus, just going back to what we were just talking about, player management, all that, is now the, more the local community yeah. sport. Netball doesn't matter what it is, is guiding young kids coming through to achieving. You know, simple as that. And that might be achieving just in the local area. That might be at Kyabram in country Victoria. It might be at Bendio. It might be in AFL. It might be in the world. It might send them to America to play basketball. You know, it's just about achieving the best you can achieve. And whilst you mentioned before, Holly, about mm -hmm. um, mental health and all that, I don't yeah. use the words mental health. I'm not having a go at you, yeah. or I can. If you want to. Um, <laughs> go on. <laughs> no, I like talking about wellness and happiness. And, yeah. you know, I was very lucky. I had a grandmother growing up who was just extraordinary. She lived to the 90s and so did her twin sister. And all, they were all about smiling every day, having a good time, and don't worry about negativity, Ricky. Yeah. And they taught me in life that, you know, get on and be happy. You know, so, And happiness is what we all strive for at the moment. So... I don't like the word mental health. I think it creates negativity in young kids' heads. Yeah, yeah it's really um, putting Telling that them that anxiety down. is the biggest thing going around and everything else. Yes, anxiety is big these days, but also let's learn to cope with it, not talk it up all the time sort of thing. So when I say mental health of helping people, it's about living a happy life. And when I speak on Saturday nights at football clubs, I talk about how my grandmother said, Ricky, go back to when you were 11. You used to get up at 4.30 in the morning and do a paper round in Benio. You used to listen to ABBA on, the, on your train there. And I said, don't mention you that. You still do. Yeah, yeah I still do. So, uh, but it's about, see, straight away you're laughing and smiling. So what happens is when you say things about your teenage years, that's when you grew. That's when your brain grew, yeah. when your body grew. Mm -hmm. And that's what your body knows. So I was getting out of bed at 8, 10 o'clock in the morning feeling tired all the time she said get up at five o'clock in the morning again and i do now five o'clock and my body feels great you know yeah. i exercise every morning and you know i play abba, <laughs> and, <laughs> play abba uh, daily yeah but just make sure it's on silence so <laughs> yeah, so no, one, no one can hear it and, but He's yeah making his cup of tea it's a great lesson and she just said one thing which i said to that little girl with cancer and that is don't let the bastards beat you yeah. and she my grandmother meant the bastards in my head at the time but sometimes it's out, you know, it could be people around you that are influencing you. Of get, course. get on and smile and be happy. I think that's such a great perspective that you said. And it's about like you are building awareness to it, but you're also saying don't set, talk about mental health or anxiety. Yeah. Talk about happiness and Correct. what makes us happy and let's do things that yeah. make us happy and feel good for ourselves. I think that's such a great outlook mm -hmm. to not talk about the negative, to speak about positive because speaking about positive makes you happy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, if you speak about negative, it yeah. pulls you down. Like growing up, I couldn't say that I, I used to be really nervous all the time. Now, yeah. was that anxiety or is it nervousness? Or are they yeah. the same thing? Yeah. They're both related in some respects. And, you know, my partner, and she won't mind me saying, suffers from some anxiety issues. And mm -hmm. most people who friends who have anxiety, it's about what people think of them or being outside, walking in early in the day and things like that. Yeah. Now, most you'd be surprised, but probably eight of the top 10 footballers at the AFL have massive anxiety oh, problems. Yeah. And that's to do with expectation that 
you know, what people expect of them all the time. Because they've achieved in football, in their head, they think they have to achieve just walking down the footpath today. They're going to do yeah. something amazing. Or Well, I worked at Richmond Football yeah. Club for a while. And there's the, one of the most prominent footballers there that we all know who I'm talking yeah. about. Crippling anxiety. Uh, absolutely. Crippling, absolutely crippling. Yeah. And he's not the only but... one. That, yeah, but and the two best players there have one's very open about it you know to me and he talks about it publicly and that's Trent Cochin and yep. I'm sure he won't mind me saying because he he's been working with young people to help them get through all that and yep. look it is a unfortunately I think a lot of this is brought on with social media and um, internet and 24-hour scrutiny media. and yeah all that these days. You can't actually escape it. No you yeah. can't escape it no so I'd rather work on okay how can we make it better than worrying about what happened yesterday. Well, Chicken, like you've already said to us pre-recording that you were recording another podcast. We know you've got a, a heap of, you know, little side hustles isn't the word, but you've got a lot of projects on the go. <laughs> How do you balance all the advocacy work that you're doing, your businesses and personal life? How do you balance that? Not very well. At the moment. <laughs> I mean, no, well, when I say not very well, it's, it's very tiring. I've been to... Um, Bungalong, which I don't yeah, you know, it's on the yeah. Murray River last Friday with Br Billy Brownless, Wayne Carey, and I did Dane see Swan that. I that, nearly came along. I to must that. admit, it was one of the best nights ever. It was like packed out, yeah. 450 people in a pub the at Health 200. It yeah. goes off. Oh, do you know it? the yeah. tavern? Yeah. <laughs> the tavern. Well, it went off for the next two nights. Every two nights. <laughs> and then we travelled to Mathara where the population is 700 and you three had... to 4,000 people yeah, came to the game. Yeah, I was going to say, you would have had Swan. everyone there. Yeah. And I like, like Dane Swan. I didn't know Dane four years ago, as in we both knew who each other were, yeah. but we weren't mates or anything. And I spend every weekend, I'm like his dad now, and um, and he's got two young twin daughters and yeah. he's um, being, learning what a dad's like. <laughs> Mine's, my son's 30, so I'm really a grandfather. Um, but, yeah, what he does for the community is just amazing. Like I was just saying on the new podcast that I just did myself that watching young kids, you know, like I'm talking six and seven little girls, everything coming up and wanting a photo and you go, yeah. that's what it used to be like when yeah. I grew up, you had heroes and yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure we have that anymore in, in the world. You know, we have influencers. It's and, influencers that yeah. kids are aspiring to be, not these yeah. players or these people that are doing all uh, these who good are achievers. things yeah. that are achieving yeah. great things. Yeah, you're 100% yeah. correct with that. Yeah, so I, I enjoy that and I run vital health checks by mobile health business. So tomorrow morning at 7am, a couple of nurses and I are off to Mount Gambia to do health checks in the timber industry. Can you tell us a bit yeah. more about Vital Health? Yeah, look, it started on the back of um, one of my best clients, Clinton Greiber, so unfortunately passed away at 32 when we didn't know what, what was wrong with him and he had, a, looks like it was a brain hemorrhage yeah. situation. And look, Shane Warne last year, good mate of mine, has a heart attack. Did we know they had these problems or not? Or did they have them and they didn't do anything about it? It's all these things. So we, we're about early identification of yeah. problems. So we do cardiac check which is essentially your heart your yeah. blood flow all that sort of thing um we do laser skin checks which let's face it you girls are a lot younger than me and yeah. you know have you had a skin check Probably. i've actually never had one well, i've never had one yeah well, we found a 22 year old kid with a melanoma he would have been dead in 12 months now racing victoria who were paying us to do these health checks his mum rang me up, oh, Ricky, you saved my son's life. I said, I didn't save your son's life racing Victoria did because what 22-year-old kid would have a skin check? Yeah. You no. just wouldn't have it. So You wouldn't think to have it being so young, would you? No, absolutely not. So, you know, we found a couple of, detected a couple of things with young kids who are um, using certain substances at gyms, which mm. they shouldn't because they don't realise that their blood pressure is going through the roof and everything else. And is that's that a legal you... subject? Uh, sub 
So is that is that a legal substance? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which is, I feel like. Oh, it's look! I'll just tell you, more. it's steroids. Whether whether that yeah. person, the young guy, once again, he said, "Oh, Rick, I don't. I'm really worried about my blood pressure." Anyway, we tested him. It was through the roof. I said, "Can I have a chat to you?" And I took him over. I said, "Tell me what you're up to." And he goes, "I'll tell you, Rick. I'm taking steroids." I said, "Stop now." Yeah. Steroids raise your heart rate through the roof, and if you've actually got a pre-existing, could it be genetic or handed yeah, down in wow. your family heart condition? Well, yeah, stuff you up. It's amazing in because I'm in the sports industry, the amount of people that are using it yeah. and using SARMs and all kinds of oh, things yeah. and they don't even research it, no. do the blood test, they don't do it safely, they don't cycle on and off. And it's I feel like it's becoming more and more common, the people that are coming forward that are so open about using. Mm. And yeah. it's like the, everyone's using it, it feels like, all the time, especially in the gym scene, yeah. especially with younger and younger guys I'm finding that are using it and they don't really understand the side effects or yeah. anything or what they're meant to be doing. Well, simple things like steroids are well known for creating anger in people when they don't yes. realise that and then they're firing off of their friends and they – their friends think it's because they're taking drugs or alcohol or something. No, it's the steroids that are creating this anger. What challenges have you faced developing and bringing these tests to the market? Uh, well, not not really any challenges, I wouldn't say. Oh, well, yeah. probably the biggest challenge was the lockdown and COVID. Like yeah, we, we yeah. started off and it just took off because everyone loved the – because what it is, I should have explained, sorry, is we go out to businesses and we test the staff or, yes. you know, employees or contractors or whatever. So what does it do? It saves you driving in traffic to a medical centre. We all say we're going to get a check, but we never do. Or yeah. Sometimes we, we put it off and we put it off. Well, we're coming out next Thursday. You've got no excuse. Yeah. Come to the boardroom, come to the first aid room, come to the little office, whatever, mm -hmm. and we'll do it there. And you get the results on the spot. So yeah. you don't have to wait around for GPs and sitting in a reception and all that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's I guess the motivation for me is simply this is if it saves one person's life, well, that's one person who's still around. Yeah. And I suppose you would get feedback all the time from people of, like you said, about that 22-year-old. I mm. suppose you would get a lot of things like that with the concussion and skin tests. Yeah, well, the concussion side of it's about to kick off in two weeks. So we're yeah. going to local football and netball, I must mm. uh, make sure I emphasise, because girls are getting concussed, you know, when you come down with an elbow. I've, it happens in basketball. I've had a Have you? netball yeah. concussion. She just sweeped the legs out from underneath yeah, well, the yeah. back of the head hit the court first. Yeah. Yep. So we want to make sure that this is free. Um, so we're talking to the government about certain funding at the moment, some sponsors, um, and we're converting a motorhome into a four-chest yeah. studio where we go out and park basically in the car park of a local football netball club. Oh, that's great. And if you want to be tested, it's free. So when you – just to explain what, what the testing is, there's only two ways to test your brain. One is to yeah. scan it, which shows that there's bruising, et cetera. Yes. Or – what we call eye functionality. So your eye movement, and that tells us whether your brain is functioning properly. Now, this mightn't sound like it's a long time, but to follow an object for three and a half minutes around the screen is a bloody long time because yes. the last minute feels like it's an hour because you, you're going like this and it only takes a knock like that, a drop of a pen, and you your brain it actually hears it. that noise and loses its focus. So I, I just, all my friends are like, oh, can you test me? Can you test me? Because yeah. whether you've had concussion or not, it's still good to know if yeah. your brain is functioning. Absolutely. How well, well it's functioning. Well, I suppose that's how it differs from other tests on the market and everything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're pretty excited about that because we're going to offer it also to, if we go out and do a cardiac check on a staff member at some legal firm, well, guess what? Yeah. Would you like your brain functionality test? Because it only takes three and a half minutes. And, and we can be tell like, you. Yes. And the key yeah. too is the key is to be tested twice. So get tested today and then get tested in six months' time and see if there's any decline. 
And in at the age you girls are at is if there's some decline, you can now get help from a neurologist. Mm. They work on things like, um, you know, what your diet is, what, uh, memory retention stuff and that. But if you wait till you're above 40 or 50, you can't do anything. It just goes like that. And it's too late. You can't get I, it back. I think that's so groundbreaking you saying that to us because we have a lot of listeners that are younger than that and yep. he, letting them hear that and know that they should get tested and don't be afraid to get tested 100%. because it's better to do it now before it's too late. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing that's changing in the community is we all used to put it off. We were saying that before, Tegan, but now we are going, no, I do need to do something. 100%. And hopefully what you just said, Holly, was great. And I hope one if one person does something today because of what you just said, well, that's, yeah. that's one person we've helped. Well, I think Tegan and I will have to get it done now because <laughs> – we're getting older now, so we definitely <laughs> well, will have I, to. I, Well, I'm definitely coming to Shepparton, so yes. we'll, right. we'll make sure we test so you So I'll too. be messaging chicken, all right, yeah, we'll come and come test coming. us. That's it. We'll definitely uh, let all our local Shepparton yeah. listeners know when that is happening. Yep, no is there any future partnerships or collaborations with Vital Health that you have coming up or any other than the concussion stuff? Any big news for the business? Oh, look, it's actually uh, just simple things like uh, we've got business centres talking to us at the moment in Melbourne where uh, – so business centres where there's could be 100 businesses all in an area yep. and they have a central office and they're saying, well, we're going to talk to all the businesses for you, Rick. You come out, yep. use our offices. But, you know, there's one one that we're talking to at the moment has got 5,000 staff. Oh, my goodness. You need yeah. a few more vans. I'll need a few more vans <laughs> and nurses if that comes off. But, um, yeah. That's the sort of thing I guess we're looking at. How can you get through a lot of numbers, but also, you know, it's helping a certain area. Yeah. I guess one thing I really wanted to ask you today, and it sort of jumps back to what we were talking about, mm. but what is one particularly memorable experience that just stands out for you with one of your players? Um, well, I'd say one of the biggest things that I was asked this the other day, and a lot of times I go, hmm, I can't think of anything. But <laughs> um, someone asked me about uh, Matthew Richardson at Richmond and what sort of guy he is. And I always say, look, he's one of my best friends, one of the nice folks ever. When the S hit the fan yeah, 10 yeah. years ago, he was one of the first people to ring me, I'm coming to get you. For what for? I'm taking you out to lunch. I want to make sure you're okay. You know, these are the sort of, whilst you might think it's an event where something went wrong or something, no, what what's always it's impressed me is well, Sam Newman is one of my better friends and mm-hmm. when all the shit hit the fan uh, 10 years ago, he said, Rick, you're about to find out who your true friends are. Yep. Your true yes. friends mightn't agree with what you've done wrong, but we've all made mistakes, but they stick by you. And there was a couple of people who to this day have come and apologised to me in the last few years, but 10 years ago, I never heard from them. Yet I'd helped them out so much and it was very disappointing and heartbreaking at the time that yeah. they didn't take the time to help me. But now, 10 years later, I want to apologise. So... Look, I'm a forgiving person. I always say, you know, yep, I wish you had to come and see me 10 years ago, but guess what? You have now, so let's get on with it. Yeah, that's amazing that you can put that behind you too. And uh, the amount of people that uh, when you're on your downfall that to turn your back on you, you find out, like your friend said, you find out who your true friends are. And it is very disappointing. I know Tegan and I have both been there before Mm. and they turn your backs. And then as soon as you're doing good or they see you're doing good, they want to come back on the bandwagon. But I suppose in that aspect, you keep your close friends close and you just have them as acquaintances. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it extends across family. And because what people don't realise is that, High-profile people, if you muck up, you're only at the top of the pyramid. Underneath your parents, your kids, your wife, your family, your dog, your cat, doesn't matter. Everyone's affected because you probably don't feed the dog for for a week because you're worried about everything else. 
you know, the too much focus is on the person at the top, not everyone underneath it, you know, and what yeah. they're going through and what they're suffering from sort of thing. And I suppose as you would know with your family, they would have been affected so much, like you said, your sons yeah. and how they cop shit at school or from friends or from people they don't yeah. even know. Yeah. They're copying the backlash as well. Well, I think too, you know, the focus in the media is a lot on high-profile people, but yes. high pro for every high-profile person, there's thousands of other people who in reality are going through the same stuff. It's just not in the media. That's um, right, isn't it? Yeah, and but their kids, you know, they might be in a small country town and mum's done something wrong at the pub, you know, two weeks ago and now it's all going around town that your mum's a drunk and, you know, this, yeah. and that affects the kids and, you Absolutely. know, it's on the social media. And so, you know, it's not always about high-profile people. It's about everybody. Yeah, and I think people forget we're all only human hmm. and we all make mistakes and things happen in life that we can't, you know, everything happens for a reason at yep. the end of the day. And the things that have happened in your life have only propelled you to the person you are today and for all the great work you're doing with the sporting mm. industry, with youthful people, with these clinics that you run. So without having your past, you wouldn't be the person you are today in the present. Oh, look, there's no doubt the things I've learned about myself in the last 10 years, you know. Um, basically, at the end of the day, I'm an adrenaline junkie. So yeah. I know if I do something, I've got to do it hundred times more than everyone else yeah you know and i've learned to realize that you know i've got to calm down and, and you don't have to ricky do this you know so hard you don't have to go so quick you can just slow down yeah so yeah another thing i really wanted to talk to you about because i have heard you speak uh on previous podcasts before about the evolution of the game and how it is just a completely different game to what it used yeah. to be what are your thoughts on it yeah, look, Wayne Carey made an interesting comment the other day. I said to him, you know, you're regarded as the greatest player of all time, but who do you see as the greatest player? And all that? he said, well, Ricky, it's different eras. And you're yeah. right, you can't compare football today to, say, 1995 when I was at the start of my career in player management. So, you know, today's game to me sometimes is very unwatchable when they go round around circles and go backwards, backwards. and all that. I'm loving St Kilda and whilst I'm back from Collingwood at the moment, the way they're playing this fast, quick, high-scoring <laughs> high football. I thought on the weekend, it's funny, the week before there was only one team scored 100 points or more and I yeah. think this weekend it was something like six or something did. And that's what young kids want to see. That's yes. why they love basketball. That's why, that's why they love these American sports that's because they're right. fast-scoring and all that sort of thing. So... I think, and it sounds simple, but there's one rule they need to bring in, and that's uh, simply no kicking backwards. Yeah, I've yeah. heard you say forward. that, yeah. and I love yeah. that. And that way you kick to a one-on-one -on -one contest, and that's where we got heroes from back in the day. Gary Abbott, Wayne Carey, Tony mm -hmm. Locker, Jason Dunstan. But yeah, even today, line, you want to see it. the Buddy Franklins of this world in one-on-one contest, not not these 20 players all around intercepting and all that sort of thing. Yeah, so, yeah. well, I'm, I agree with I'm that. I'm a um, bi-punch self-punishment a north melbourne supporter <laughs> i'm a so, collingwood supporter <laughs> oh bad luck as a, <laughs> yeah. as a depression medication going. well we're actually going pretty good <laughs> no, this year can we talk about the Till depression over here oh, oh just you wait <laughs> i'll be messaging you being like oh well, then when this goes to air in a few weeks we'll already know if St Kilda beat collingwood or <laughs> i'm gonna collingwood. put a big collingwood flag <laughs> yeah, at the top of the, <laughs> the, the real um if i personally like it was a very hard game for me to watch because there was a lot of backward stuff and it, it, yeah. what yeah. you'd said literally came to mind. Like no, you, right, don't, you don't generally see it in like soccer. You definitely don't see it in rugby. No. It would change the game for the better. Yeah. And even if they, you know, trialed it, in my opinion, last quarter only maybe you can't yeah. go backwards or yeah. something. Like I just think that was such a good point that you'd made or maybe yeah. it was Wayne. But Well, it was always for probably 30 years, it was always about the team that scored the most one. 
Then it changed to this pressure, pressure, stop, stop teams scoring, and and that's how you win. Now it's a little bit of 50-50. Yep. Melbourne and Geelong have proven in the last couple of years that, you know, you've got to score above 100 points to win the flag. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's what St Kilda's doing at the moment, but they haven't faced some real opposition yet, but they will this week. Who do you consider the proper opposition this year? Collingwood. Or as in, oh, look, <laughs> I think, Get, out. I Get think out of here. <laughs> my experience tells me that after round 10, what happens is the teams that come home strongly are usually the bigger bodied team. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just looking at Melbourne on the last last night going, wow, well, they're looking good. Uh, Sydney is not playing as well as I thought, but they, I still think they'll be thereabouts because of the big bodies. Um, look, Geelong, you know, I, I haven't written them off yet. Okay. Um, and then a team like You're St Kilda, the one, then. <laughs> yeah, a team like St Kilda to keep it up for the year when you've got a lot of young kids playing well is very difficult because yep. their bodies start to get a bit sore after round yep. seven or eight. So you know, I, I don't think St Kilda can see it right out till the end. But I'd be very excited as a St Kilda supporter that the yeah. next four or five years, and just like North Melbourne, I like what I'm seeing with North Melbourne, and I like what I'm seeing at Collingwood. So yeah, see, yeah, I think to be honest, there's only one club at the moment that disappoints me, and that's West Coast Eagles. That they yeah. just look terrible, yeah, and probably Fremantle, the two Western Australian yeah. clubs, and Gold Coast Suns and GWS are very disappointing in respect to the amount of concessions they've had to build that's their right. club that's and right. the funding they get from the AFL, and yet they still can't and look like winning a flag. Mm. I suppose everyone should listen to Chicken's advice because he is coming out with a <laughs> podcast as well. Yes, that's coming out tonight. Well, when when this goes to air, it'll all be out for two weeks. So, so what ch- date chicken, is it coming out? Uh, tonight, which well, two weeks ago it yeah, came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, that it'll be every Monday night. Yeah. Um, or Tuesday. Um, and it'll be about all the things that you don't get from the rest of the media. So inside look into mm. what is Nick Dacos worth at Collingwood? Yeah. You know, money wise, how can they afford to pay him in a few years' time if he's worth two million dollars in his only 21 years old um they're the sort they're of things people want to hear those boys though, aren't yeah. they? oh they are look I, I actually it's a great story but i um i was coaching junior football 10 years ago and peter moore who's darcy moore's dad was yep. my assistant coach i was coaching darcy we were the game before our game we were watching it and there's this kid blitzing like i've never seen before i said to peter i said hey he's got to be the son of someone as i did yeah. someone you know chicken i turn around here comes peter dacos walking <laughs> oh god no way that's not your son he goes yeah yeah that's my son and um, yeah, they were both, both Josh, who people don't talk about a lot, but he's a good player as well. The oh, two boys, hope, yeah, the two yeah. boys are great players. And, and and I sometimes always fear a bit for kids who are sons of. I remember when Gary Abbott told me I named my son Gary Junior. I've gone, oh, why would you do that? Yeah. And the pressure he was under, but to, to his credit, you know, he couldn't have been a better he's player. Like, he's done well, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he has. Yeah, yeah. Well, what advice would you give to aspiring sport agents or managers? I think the biggest advice, I and I run a sports agent course every year, yeah. which sells out, and it did again this year, 27 years in a row, um, is don't look beyond AFL a bit. At the moment, the popularity is in the, um, if you want to be a sports agent and you want to make good money, yeah. is you only need three good clients who play overseas sports, whereas if you're in AFL, you need 30 for clients to make wow, a, make a living out of yeah, so if you had one like Aaron Sipos who played in the Super Bowl, I used to manage him when he was a young kid. Um, if you had two or three Aaron Siposes or one soccer player in the UK, you're better off focusing on that than just a, just AFL. That's good yeah, advice. just that's really good. Like when I was an agent, there was probably about four or five key ones. Now there's 150, so they're all competing against each other, trying to get clients, etc. You're better off associating with a pro a professional sports agent in the UK and be their recruiting person back in Australia and recruit. And then what you do is like when Ben Graham, who you girls may not know who he is, but he was captain of Geelong. He went to America 
And basically what I did, I did a deal with the girl over there. She's now the biggest agent in America, but she wasn't at the time. And I kept 25% of the money, but didn't have to do anything. I found her, Ben Graham, and she got 75% of the money. Smart business. Yeah, so that's my advice to young people if they want to be a sports agent. Yeah, well, interesting. Tegan actually lives with two basketballers from overseas. One's from New Zealand and one's from America, Detroit. So, yeah. I might need to be their agent is what I'm thinking. I was just thinking that it's very clever, isn't it? You know, bringing people from overseas and obviously there's so many different countries. But even with women's sport, you know, I always say, like, if you had one Ash Barty, yeah, you know, that's better than having 400 AFLW players almost. So, you know, you can rec- make more money outside. Oh, of if AFL. you manage a tennis player, a golfer, sure, yeah. a golfer in women's sport, um, much more money than you know managing an AFLW player, sort of thing. I think one thing you have as well is obviously the gift of the gab, and you're able to mm-hmm. connect with people as well. So being able to uh, facilitate that and being able to make connections with people and getting yourself out there would be a huge one as well. Yeah, look, it, it, it being successful in sport, you've got to have networks and connections. Yeah. And that's why I encourage people to you know, get to your local football club and start there or netball club mm-hmm. or uh, soccer. You know, w- I think women's soccer and cricket is amazing at the moment. I really do. And whilst people criticise AFLW, I'm not critical of the respect of just give it a bit more time because yeah. the young girls I see coming through at Shepparton uh, have yeah. got amazing skills. And when yeah. they get to 18... AFLW is going to be a much better sport. Yes, in my view, they need to reduce it to maybe 14 a side so it becomes high scoring because the lack of scoring is what's taking away the visibility of watching it or or the entertainment side of it. Grace Egan from Shep, she's an absolute jet. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, I've seen some brilliant young girls playing football. You know, I can't wait till five years from now that, you know, they're playing AFLW. I guess that's been my perspective on it too because – a lot of the women that are currently playing right from the beginning and they're still in there now have started playing either mid-teens or later, like early 20s. They're learning the game Correct. now. Yep. There's girls now that are starting at Auskick level. And, I mean, there's the, the anatomical aspect that our hips literally are aligned to kick in a very different direction to Correct. men. The kicking straight yes, thing is, spot on. is much different. Well, what it is, is I was told when women's football started that there'll be um, outs- a, a number of knee injuries because of women's pelvises designed to have babies. Yep. And it makes sense. And I think the other thing is a weakness in the neck, I think it is. Yes. Um, yes. Because it's just a female thing. And yep. The biggest thing is we're making the mistake of trying to copy men's football. Yep. Stop it. Let's yeah. identify what we want to achieve in women's football and make it women's football. That's you know? exactly right. And um, there's a few things that I, I, you know, they don't listen, the people running it, that, you know, they they just need to start listening. It's not about recruiting high-profile women from other sports yes. who yeah. can't play. It's about developing these young girls coming through to be the focus of the future stars we want them to be. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 My final question for you, Ricky, and it sort of ties in with... Chicken. Chicken. I'm so sorry. <laughs> My final question uh, ties in with our normal question that we have right at the end. What's one thing you know now that you wish you knew earlier, except my spin on it for you is I had sort of prefaced to a few close family and friends that we were interviewing you. And I'm sure this is something that you get quite often. We had half of them say, oh, my God, like that's um, that's unreal. Like I Mm. can't wait to hear Mm. his side. I can't wait to hear his story. What is he up to now? And, of course, I had half of them say, not interested purely because of that narrative that the media portrayed and spun about you 
what is your one thing that you want to get off your chest or you want to impart on our listeners? Oh, I just find that um, sometimes it's, you go and speak at a football club this weekend and the president will say, oh, someone said, oh, why are you getting near me? I said, just get them to come along. And they come on and, go, and they hear you speak and they go, oh, yeah, you're different to what I thought you were yeah. like. And, you know, you're this. And, you know, because you're, you've hit the nail on the head. The media portray you as something and some people want to believe it. They want to believe yeah. that you're this terrible person and everything else. They don't want to hear about you going out and helping the community or anything else. You know, so I've learned to live with that. I mean, you know, you look at someone like Sam Newman, he cops a lot more than I cop. And, you know, it wouldn't matter who you are, they Wayne Carey, you know. Um, yeah. But I saw the look on 450 people's faces up at Bundalong on the weekend when Wayne Carey turned up and they weren't hating on him, that's for sure. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to remember that negativity, whether it's on you, Tegan, or you, Holly, is 1% of sort of people. And if they want to live that miserable life and let them live it, you know, yeah. I, I worry about getting on with smiling this afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. So, yeah, so I, I, you know, I think if anyone, people listening to this, we're all subject to people don't like all of us. Yeah, you know? of course. No I'm not nice the only. I'm are. not the only person <laughs> no. in the world. And no. to be honest, I just laugh at them now. Yeah. I go, geez, enjoy your miserable life. Yes, yes. But I look, I do understand too that sometimes some people might have said, "Why would you get him on there?" And this and that and everything else is because the only thing they've ever know about me is what they've read in the newspaper. Which is yes. exactly why you we know? wanted to give you this opportunity. And I think that you know, people these days are so judgmental. Um, sometimes I just say, look, don't tell me what you think of Wayne Carey till you've met him. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me what you think of Dane Swan till you've met him or Sam Newman or anybody else. So, yeah. yeah. I think I've taken two bits of advice from that mm-hmm. and that would be um, get to know people before making assumptions about Correct. them. Yep. Get them to know them for who they are and who they are to you. Yep. And another one would be is don't care about what other people think because that's their business yep. and it has nothing to do with you and you can't control what other people think. Well, you just, so apo- just yeah, you apologize to haters and say, I'm yeah. really sorry. I'm not perfect. I'm really sorry. You <laughs> know, it. I wasn't born to be perfect and I never will be. I'm yeah. sorry. It says more about them than what it says about you for yeah, them to have that kind of negativity about them. Yep. Yep. Well, we're really excited to tune into your first episode tonight, the chicken coop. We're going to yeah. have <laughs> to listen to it. Aren't yeah. We? And yeah. we'll be booking in for it. The all-around check when you're up in shape, that's for sure. Well, your listeners haven't seen me dancing like I showed you before. Oh, we'll be putting it up. We're posting it. Don't worry. You're not getting away with that. (laughs) Thanks thanks, so much, Ricky. Uh, I've loved it, Holly and Tegan, and well done. Your podcast is great, and you're going to have a lot more listeners, that's for sure. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers.